Hello and welcome to another episode of Cripple Stump. And as per usual, we have another guest for all you lovely people around the world today. Uh, and I'll let Conrad introduce himself. Hello, yeah, my name's uh, Conrad Bauer. I'm a, I'm a journalist with The Meteor, which is a, a media cooperative based in Manchester. And we focus on local regional uh, stories. So, yeah, I live in Levenstude as well. Yeah, and thanks for having me on, Shabazz. It's great to meet you. Okay, so just to kick us off then, what is news to you? <laughs> yeah, that's a, good, um, that's a good question. Yeah, what is news to me? Well, news to me is where there are examples of injustice going on within the city or the region. That's that's one of my primary drivers for what I consider news. And at the Meteor, we have a sort of broad umbrella term that, that sort of covers the, the type of uh, stuff that we cover, uh, which is uh, things that come under the social, environmental and economic justice uh, issues. So... Um, yeah, human rights issues, inequality, discrimination, yeah, those sort of issues is what I consider uh, news. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's that's a very subjective thing in terms of it differs from whoever you ask that question. Yeah, Be because uh, what made you start this, uh, the meteor in the first place? What made me start? Because you are the co-founder, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm one of the co-founders. A group of us got together in, God, when was that? It would have been in 2015, and we did a journalism course that was run by a previous um, media organisation in Manchester called, called the Manchester Mule, which some listeners may be familiar with. And uh, the group of us who was on that course then it was like a 10-week course. It's quite a comprehensive uh, sort of introduction to journalism course that we did. And once the uh, the Manchester Mule folded the year following, we decided to start up our own publication, and that was the uh, the Meteor. So we've been publishing online since October 2016. I think is uh, the first article was published on their website. And uh, at that time, we was an unincorporated society, and then we decided to incorporate as a media cooperative in uh, in 2019 to, to take our our news reporting to the next level I suppose yeah <clears throat> so who owns the meteor then yeah that's uh, that's another good question and yeah I'll just say one of the reasons we set up the meteor as a cooperative is we've is that we think one of the major problems with the media at the moment is the ownership of the media. So a lot of the big uh, national newspapers are run, run by right-wing billionaires and large corporations, and increasingly local newspapers are being uh, gobbled up by big corporations as well. So you've got a smaller number of uh, corporations running more and more local media sites, and lots of local sites have been closed down as well. So we're going against that trend. So we set up as a media cooperative to try and change that model of ownership of the media, which we think is so problematic, by spreading the ownership of the of the meteor to all its members, basically. So we are a multi-stakeholder cooperative. 
anyone can join for as little as one pound a month and then you get a say in how the meteor is run and, and what we report on as well. So um, there's two sets of members. There's the, the production team members who do the majority of the work and the writing uh, in the meteor, and then there's community members, which I suppose you could say are reader members, but some of them also do contribute work to the meteor as well. And um, yeah, any community, community member can stand as a director of the meteor to help us uh, direct uh, the future course of it. So yeah, our members on the meteor. How many directors have you got? <clears throat> uh, we have um, positions for seven directors. So we've got one independent director and we've got three um, uh, production team directors and an equal number. Well, we should have an equal number of uh, community directors. We're currently down one. One's had to drop out due to other commitments. Uh, so we'll be asking for someone else to stand at the next AGM, which will be in a couple of months. But yeah, we have uh, we aim to have an equal number of production team members and community members on the board of directors. Yeah, yeah it's just good to give uh, everybody a bit of context before we get in into yeah, anything, yeah. you know. <laughs> and it's like, uh, how how do you? What has surprised you about doing this? You know, there's a difference between having an idea and executing an idea. So what has surprised you about doing it? Um, the amount of work involved in a cooperative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah, that's, um, that's su surprised me. Um, um, and yeah, the support we've got from our members uh, and uh, their involvement in the cooperative has surprised me as well. We're getting lots of members uh, contributing um, uh, work and articles to 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 the meeting, so that's uh, that's a positive. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more members join so far, but we're going to get a push to try and get more more people involved in it. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was it was a big step up change from from us being an unincorporated society to to. Uh, an incorporated cooperative is a lot more sort of paperwork and um, and uh, bookkeeping to do. Yeah. Uh, so that that was uh, surprising. And does does it get in the way of like getting out there and doing field work? Does it get in the way of doing reporting? Uh, yes, yes, it does at times. Yeah. Um, yeah, it can can uh, well particularly for me, it does. It, it has reduced. Uh, the amount of articles I'm willing to, uh, well, I'm able to uh, produce myself, write myself. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I am increasingly editing other people's work as well. Yeah. So that's, that's a bonus there. Yeah. But where do you see the meteor in five years' time? Five years' time? Yeah, it's... Um, I'd like us to see us um, have a wider readership than we currently have. Um, yeah, I'd like us to see us reaching more people and covering more stories as well. So have, having a more regular output, um, that would uh, be good. And yeah, so having a bigger, bigger readership means we'll have a bigger 
impact with the stories we we produce. So it, it's just I'd like to see us increase our membership, maybe say tenfold to the current amount we've got, and increase our readership. Let's go for tenfold there as well. I think that would be a good good figure yeah. to aim for in five years' time. But yeah, so we're becoming more more established sort of part of the media landscape in, in Manchester and Great Manchester, and more people are aware of it, aware of us and our work. Yeah. How 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 big is your readership at the moment? Is there any way of gauging it? Well, it was getting around ten thousand hits. At, on average, around ten thousand hits a month on last year during the during the pandemic. Um, yeah, I've not looked at the stats recently, but uh, yeah, that was a, an average figure for twenty twenty. <clears throat> Although, yeah, a lot we did get a boost during the pandemic, so it was lower than that before. Yeah, but I think a lot of media organisations, online ones in particular, saw a boost. Uh, uh, due to lockdown and people having more time on their hands to, to spend, yeah, yeah, looking at online uh, media, so that might might have he- helped us in that respect for, for views on the websites last year. And what what uh, what are them, what do you think about media advertising? That like, does the meteor uh, would you be up for advertising? Well, yeah, we do host some adverts. Um, yeah, that's, um, that's, um, that's a good question because, yeah, the advertising model of the mainstream media has pretty much um, collapsed due to uh, social media and Google hosting most of the adverts. They, they, yeah. they take most of the advertising revenue. That's why... Uh, Lots of um, yeah, so so the, the, the mainstream media are really struggling due to due to that decrease in adverts. Yeah, and, and 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 sometimes I think maybe that's not completely a bad thing because I think a media organisation totally reliant on adverts is perhaps not the healthiest thing. Yeah. but yeah. we do host some adverts. We, we've just started hosting them since last year with a, a platform called Glimpse Protocol. Now this is an ethical advertising platform that allows the person interacting with the advert to click on a little icon that will take yeah. them through to a vault where they can see any data that's been collected on them due to that interaction with that advert. And then they can um, delete that information if they wish. So that's um, that's quite a... So we, have, we, we do host adverts, one at the top of the, each article, and we have one in the sidebar as well. So we're trying to promote that at the moment. That's never going to be a major form of income for the media, but it might, well, it does provide us with a little bit, a bit of income that's, uh, that will be one of the planks on our bridge to financial s- sustainability. That's something we want to uh, promote. Plus, we also get control over what appears in, in them adverts as well. So adverts like Google AdSense, you have no control what goes up there. Anything can go up and there's all sorts of uh, problems there with uh, organisations you might not agree with advertising on your site. We have full, full control of the adverts that uh, appear on, on the website. So, Could yeah. you just say the name of that company again? Because it just cut out a little. So, could All you right, say- yeah, Glim- Glimpse Protocol. Okay. G-I-L, oh no, G-L-I-M-P-S-E, Glimpse, yeah. Okay, yeah, and are they good to work with? Um, yeah, yeah, they've been pretty supportive. I mean, I mean, they've put together this 
bespoke sort of uh, model for us. And, and they are in conversation with some like quite big media organisations to, to try and uh, get their advertising platform uh, incorporated with them. So, yeah, it's, it's a startup. Uh, it's a startup company. We got introduced with to them in um, when we was awarded the Future News Fund uh, grant uh, last year. Uh, there was there was also on that same um, that same cohort of uh, media organisations uh, that got funding. How how often is your input output then? Sorry, how often do you put uh, articles on the website and stuff? Uh, we try to aim for a minimum of at least three articles per week. Sometimes we get we get more than that, and. Uh, yeah, and we'll try to share them more than once on social media as well uh, recently. So we'll try to share them at least twice in, in different ways. So we aim for a, a minimum of a three articles. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in turn, uh, what about your disability output? Uh, do you cover disability? Uh, yeah, we have covered yeah some issues, not as many as I'd, I'd like to. I think we need to increase increase that. That coverage, uh, but uh, yeah, we have covered some issues. I, I was looking into doing a story on the lack of uh, disabled uh, accessible housing for disabled people. Yeah, but I was, I was I was struggling to find any good figures on it. I mean, it doesn't appear to be that statistics uh, kept uh, in an easily accessible manner anyway to sort of report yeah. on that issue, which is a bit because because that's a big issue as opposed to like loads of different issues as well, but that is a big issue. And the other one I would say is uh, the, the you know, enshrining the, the, the right to independent living and stuff like that. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's human, a good one too. And I, I, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's lots of little issues, but... I just wonder because when I look at your website, there's not much there for disability, you know. You no, know. there's not. I mean, there's something that we need that, that we do need to cover more. So yeah, if if you have any ideas for stories, uh, yeah, yeah pass them on to us. That that would be good. But I'm particularly keen to do something on the housing issue, like I mentioned, and um, yeah, accessibility. That's that's always a big problem in particular with um, transport and uh, yeah. And the lack of lack of access to train stations and uh, how how the local council treats dis disabled people you know uh, the, I think there's a lot to be to be done there because the reason why I'm saying it to somebody like you is like the established media doesn't really cover it in the right sort of angle so you know yeah, you know, there's always uh, like uh, an established narrative that they're going from, and it's not a people-led uh, narrative. It's it's looking down on people rather than working with them. If you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that, that will be a good uh, angle to cover. Yeah, I, yeah I'll, I'll just say that what one um, media organization. I really admire for the uh, coverage of disability issues is uh, the disability news service. I mean, yeah, yeah. We should have. I should keep an eye on them more often because they do have, have have stories 
it, like based in Manchester at times, the, the ones we could share. Yeah, but yeah, because, they do some excellent, they do some excellent journalism. Yeah, because uh, and it's just one one. I don't know how big the team is, but it's just mainly one guy. You know, John Pring. Yeah, yeah. John it. Pring. Yeah, he's amazing, isn't he? Yeah, it's unbelievable so, uh, how yeah. much he produced. And I was just wondering what, whether you guys could work together and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, yeah. We should definitely, yeah, we should definitely um, try and collaborate more with him. I mean, we have a friends of the media sort of category, the way we share work from other from other uh, publications. So we should keep our eyes out for, for more because, any articles that, that are Manchester, Greater Manchester based. And, and then we could share uh, the disability news service articles there. How do you, how do you, do you get on with Navarra Media, for example? Uh, I, I admire their work. Um, and they are, are they a member of the Independent Media Association? Perhaps they are, which the meteor is a member of. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think they've got a lot of good things to say, and I believe Alex, uh, one of their production team members, Alex King, he's just published a story in Navarra Media as well. I saw it on on Twitter. Yeah. Share it. It's very, it's very London centric. I think. Yeah. Navarra Media though, and. And some of the YouTube stuff is very academic, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Too much political philosophy, maybe. Yeah, rather than political yeah. action, you know. You know. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think that scares a lot of people off, doesn't it? Like, and I think there's room for both, but there needs to be both, you know. I'm not yeah. saying yeah, one, yeah. Over, one over the other. I'm just saying there needs to be a variety. I mean... You know, and they're not really good on disability either, you know, because they ha I don't know if you remember the the whole thing about them having Peter Singer on and he has some views about disabled people that uh, are not uh, great, shall we say. And they were Peter having Singer. I've never heard of him. And they were and they were talking about and they were talking about vegetarianism because he, he, he's big on that, but, but he's got some views about disability and they just kind of touched on that in the last five minutes and, right. you know, didn't really take him to task on it. So uh, we got involved with Deepak and we had a chat with them, but right. nothing concrete has come out of the meeting with them so far. But I'm just saying, like, I'm just giving you that as an example of media organisations say they want to work with people. And then when you when you point stuff out to them, they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll deal with it. There's too much stuff going on at the moment. You know, it's like... Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Deepak uh, and their work. Yeah, and we have covered... covered uh some stories on, on Deepak uh, yeah. issues before. Yeah, so yeah. I'm a big fan of what they do. And the yeah. Great Manchester Coalition of Dis Disabled People and the work they do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I wanted to talk to you about the uh, the the kill the bill stuff, you know, the crime and sentencing bill. 
Do you cover much uh, about that? Uh, yes, we have. We have covered a couple of demonstrations that have been on previously. Um, yeah, and I think it's an important thing to cover because that that, uh, that uh, police powers bill is is undermining our democratic right to yeah. protest. So it, it is an important uh, story to to cover. And I think a lot of it is due to the success of um, the Extinction Rebellion uh, protests prior to the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, there was building up a real head of steam there, and then that was brought brought to a halt by the pandemic. And, and I think the uh, the um, the government are just trying to, to clamp down on that. Clamp down on it when we need, that is exactly what we need, more protests that, like that. We yeah. need as much pressure yeah. as can be built on, on COP26 for, for when they make the decisions there to try and do something about climate change. Because as you can see in the news stories from around the world, that there are huge um, uh, weather, uh, extreme weather phenomenons uh, turning up uh, yeah. at an increased rate. It's, uh, it's a big, uh, big problem. But well, there is another um, march through Manchester on the... 21st, I think, is it? Yeah, there, there is, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we will be covering uh, covering that one as well. I think that's quite a big one. It seems to be a lot of organisations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, more people should should get involved with that, I think. Because and I don't know if, you, if you're if uh, you know much about football or anything like that, but uh, a few months ago, there was a big protest around the Super League because yes, yeah. you know, and the reason why I bring this up is I really wish somebody would have drawn the connection between the right to protest there and the plea crime and sentencing bill. Because under this bill, nobody would have been able to do those protests. You uh -huh. get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nobody kind of drew that connection because everybody was on the TV going. Well, in this country, we have the right to protest. I'm thinking to myself, well, if 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 this bill passes, nobody will have the right to pro protest, essentially, because under the bill, it says anybody causing a nuisance <laughs> would 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 be deemed, uh, you know, uh, yeah. breaking side a nuisance. Yeah, yeah, who decides what a nuisance is? Yeah, yeah. the police, I should think. Because I, I, I was saying, I was thinking to myself, would it be like the equivalent of that stop Brexit guy? Would he be a nuisance? Because you could hear hear him shouting, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through, through, down the street and like, or you could hear him when somebody was talking from number ten. You could hear him shouting over the wall. And like, would he that that somebody could deem that a nuisance, right? So all I'm saying is, one person would be deemed a a nuisance here. So and that that is quite scary, really. It is, yeah, very very scary. Giving the police more powers is, um, I think, is a dangerous thing to do. They have enough powers already. They, yeah. they just need the funding. Yeah, they do need extra funding to, to do the job properly, though, I think. But um, yeah, yeah. But they don't need more powers, definitely not. Yeah. 
uh, but they get more powers than we get even less rights to yeah. to actually do to speak up and say what well, we that needs to change and this yeah. is 10 years after the the riots isn't it after the Mark Duggan case 10 years on we, we get we're staring down the barrel of something like this yeah it's a crazy it's a crazy it seems a bit direction for us to go in yeah I don't I don't yeah, and I don't think people understand how how sort of um, how bad this is, how much it sort of impinges on our rights. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, yeah, that is an important one to cover. Yeah, yeah because it, but you, in the world, one way you just feel like you're just moaning and whinging all the time, but when you can see it clearly, the direction of travel seems re really quite weird. Heading into a really dark tunnel, and you know, to be to be going that way and not saying anything is unforgivable, really. I think, but yeah, yeah. you do start to feel like, am I just moaning about everything and anything? Am I just becoming like you know that person that everybody talks about? But but to me, it just feels more and more stark. Every year, like they just seem to be rewriting the rules on everything, and yeah, you know, it seems like it's just so difficult to get. Yeah, well, I think, I'm... yeah, carry on, Shabazz. Yeah. To get any kind of traction or to get any kind of change, meaningful change for the. The everyday everyday person, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Uh, it does seem a bit overpowering at times. But yeah, I think yeah, a lot of these rules do need rewriting. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is that they're rewriting them in the wrong direction to be more oppressive, repressive, rather than rather than freeing us up. I mean, yeah, society's going on undergoing huge changes due to the Silicon Revolution, isn't it? And uh, getting used to death data technology and uh, social media and the changes that's causing to society and yeah how how are how are democracies operate under the silicon revolution and how sort of access to, to media and and stories and uh, things uh, ah. yeah so yeah there are changes need, needed uh, but yeah our government seems to Make all the wrong changes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, Shabazz. So, yeah. How how has the pandemic affected the meteors' output? Um, or has it? Uh, yeah, well, I don't think we was as affected as badly as as some other media organisations because we was we was already working from home to start with. Like most most, uh, most of the production team members have other other jobs that they do as well, but uh, the meteor work is generally done from home or where they're reporting on an issue outside somewhere. I mean, we used to have um, meetings in town at various locations, face to face meetings about around once a week, but um, you know we stopped having those due to the lockdown restrictions. But um, yeah, we've we've not been able to get out and report face to face on 
on a lot of stories uh, during during the pandemic. But yeah, we moved moved onto onto Zoom like like everyone else has basically. You know, do do a lot of stuff virtually uh, rather than face to face. And uh, yeah, all our meetings are on Zoom, and we have an online uh, workspace on Slack where we do like it's like a, a messaging sort of board with different channels on it. So, so you know, we do a lot of communicating around around our work and different stories on on our Slack channels. So yeah, it's not not had that big a change on on how we work. And uh, in terms of editorial control, how does that work? Um, how does that work? Yeah, well, I'm, I do most of them at editorial work at the Meteor. Yeah, not all of it. So I was away for a couple of weeks, uh, a few weeks ago. I went for a tour around Scotland on, on a new motorcycle. I thought, well, new to me, 20 years old. Right? <clears throat> so uh, another production team member took over editorial duties then. Um, and yeah, so the stories, we also have production team meetings. And so we'll come up for ideas for our stories together with the production yeah. team at the production team meetings. Other than that, people will pitch stories to um, the meteor. It's generally me or whoever else is acting as editor will decide if we want to uh, produce that story and publish it on, on, the, uh, on the site. Um, yeah, so that's how it works mainly. Uh, we, we've also given our membership some <clears throat> some control over, over our editorial direction. Uh, we offered our members uh, the option of voting for three separate uh, investigations that we could cover. <clears throat> that was uh, not last year. It was like before, before the pandemic hit. And then we produced a range of stories on the theme that they picked. So, so we, yeah, so, so our, our members chose that particular edi editorial direction. And I'm quite keen for us to sort of continue doing doing uh, stuff like that, getting more member input into into particular sort of um, projects or themes that we could. Yeah, because one of the things we we often talk about in around the disability news service is like, you know, with with essentially well on the team being one person, you know. We worry about if anything happens to George Prego, you know, what will happen to the new service. And, you know, I'm thinking about you and like, you know, if it's just you doing the editorial control, what if you tomorrow lose your mind and become like a cra <laughs> crazy kind of power hungry person? You know, it's like, you know, maybe you are, I don't know, but, uh, uh, but you know, when it's that just down to one person, it kind of feels a bit precarious and a bit like a bit scary, you know. And yeah, not, not just that, it's a bit overwhelming for that one person as well, you know. So yeah, yeah, avoid that yeah. really. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, and I, I'm keen for the, for the meteor to become less dependent on the work I do, and mm -hmm. yeah. And when I was away for a couple of weeks, <clears throat> um, a few weeks ago, 
uh, we actually produced nine stories that um, that on over those two weeks. So yeah, the media can can operate uh, without me. But yeah, I am keen to uh, to increase our editorial capacity to, to try and yeah. uh, increase the number of articles we get out there and try and get a few more people in the production team as well. Like I said, none of the production team work full time at the media. All of them have got different jobs that they're doing as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's. Uh, no, I'm just talking about sustainability, and I'm not trying to have a go at you or anything. I'm just yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. you know, for for a news organisation or a website, if it's just dependent on one person, yeah, I know, I know, if that was just me, I'd feel fucking overwhelmed. I'd be like, wow, well, I'm not sure if I tomorrow I wake wake up and I might want to do this, you know, you know. Yeah, it's, it's an important point. Yeah, so yeah, I think we do need to need to, in, yeah, increase our capacity. Yeah, with the production team. Yeah. But that's why I was saying earlier: is it harder than you originally envisaged? You know. Uh, yes, yes, it is. It is. It is harder. I was. Um, yeah, <laughs> it is. But yeah, I think it is worthwhile. I, I believe we are doing important work telling stories that need telling that otherwise wouldn't be told if, if yeah. we weren't reporting on them and um yeah and these are interesting times for independent media yeah. i mean like i mentioned before with with the collapse of the advertising model for traditional media there's a huge flux in in the production of, of media at the moment with the, how it's spread over social media and the internet and um yeah these are interesting times to be to be a journalist in, in, in a local news site, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, we need to we need to find the funding to, to to help us keep going, like like many other sort of indie news sites as well. But um, yeah, I think with the turmoil in the media landscape, that there, there are possibilities for for little media organisations like us. Does does the truth exist, in your opinion? <laughs> Oh God! Does the truth exist? Uh, yes, yes, the truth does exist, and we try to report accurately on what that truth is, what has actually happened. Um, <clears throat> yes, so it does exist. Yeah, and that's yeah. what we try to report as, as accurately as possible. I mean, we, I mean. We make mistakes like everyone else, but we have standards that we keep. Yeah. We try to report what has happened uh, as accurately as possible. But yeah, yeah, other people might not agree with our truth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. what do you think about organisations like GB News? Oh God, yeah, they're, they're unpleasant, aren't they? So GB News is the one with the uh, is it Andrew Neil? Yes, the heads of it. Yeah. Brillo Pad, as they refer to him. Yeah, yeah, but he's, he's sort of trying to copy the, the the sort of model of Fox News, yeah. isn't it? Where they where they bring in a lot, a lot of opinionated views into into the sort of uh, the preventers' viewpoints, and um, yeah, I'm not sure that's. Uh, 
a good way to go down for broadcast no. TV in particular. Yeah, I've not actually seen any of uh, any of the programs yet. I don't think anybody but, has. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, the the ratings have, uh, have really really dropped, haven't they? Since yeah. they just started apparently. because I've not seen brought, anything on it. They brought. I've seen a few clips, and they brought Nigel Farage in to save right, uh, save yeah. the the channel, and uh, and he's doing a show where you're having a pipe with Nigel Farage, so he's actually having a pipe while he's interviewing yeah. some people, and yeah. it's, it just feels. It's really weird. Yeah. I was glad to see the BBC tore, tore itself away from its obsession with uh, hosting Nigel Farage on pretty much every yeah. <laughs> every show that was on it. He got loads of loads of coverage seeing he's not even a serving MP or yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's But yeah, GB News seems to seems to have taken over their mantle of being Nigel Farage's vehicle for spouting shit. Yeah. There's another interesting thing to ask you. What do you think about pub, uh, public service broadcasting? What do you think about the BBC? Yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of the BBC. Yeah. Overall, I mean, it has. There are issues behind and how the BBC report. But overall, I'm a big fan of the BBC. Um, yeah. yeah. When it comes to the television, I mean. BBC is one of the only channels I watch, BBC Two, BBC One, yeah. uh, BBC Four, yeah, makes up a large part of my uh, television uh, viewing. Yeah, there's some, there's some problems with um, the principle of BBC balance when it comes to news reports. I think yeah. an, an example of that was uh, Farage, including Farage on pretty, pretty much everything around Brexit, which I, I don't think was a, a very balanced uh, stance to take. And the other balance problem that that caused was the coverage of the climate crisis where they have to put sort of adversaries on there so they would have someone uh, saying that there's a big problem with uh, climate change and then they would have, have someone like Nigel Lawson on the other side spouting yeah. bollocks from, from the oil companies saying climate change is uh, uh, not happening and it's still a disputed fact when 99% of the scientists backed that um that climate change was happening it was due to man-made actions um yeah so i, th I think yeah there can be problems with with uh, bbc coverage and yeah i suppose it's a, it's a class thing there as well it's a yeah public school boys I, I think i like i like i i equate the nhs and the bbc together because i like them in principle but mm. in practice i think they've completely gone off the rails because the NHS has been privatised and, and so has the BBC in some large areas and like, you know, what I'm worried about is essentially in the future we'll just have these two badges as institutions where everything, <laughs> everything underneath it will be completely privatised and like like, I, I like the founding principles of these things, but the way they've evolved has become completely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, they're sort of privatising by the back door. Aren't they? they are just going to become logos, aren't they, for yeah, lots of yeah. different private, private companies to put put stuff into. But, yeah, to Channel 4 as well, that, that is another public service broadcast that, that the government is currently trying to privatise yeah. as well, sell it off completely. 
like the whole lot rather than just yeah. uh, trying to introduce market forces with different production companies uh, uh, think stuff. but yeah there's one thing I'd like to add about the BBC in particular is yeah. as well is and yeah this goes back to the fact that there's not enough disability coverage in the media <clears throat> and, and when there is coverage there it's drained out by uh, the news cycle that's spinning ever faster but, uh, but one of one of the reasons that is there is a lack of uh, disability coverage in the media is there's a lack of disabled journalists to put those stories up and suggest those stories in the first place. Mm -hmm. I mean, I saw a statistic, <clears throat> it's from an article in uh, 2012, a Guardian article, but it said 1% of journalists were registered as disabled. <clears throat> Whereas in, in the uh, general population in the UK, 13% are registered as disabled. So that's a huge sort of, hugely underrepresented in the media. So one of the good things of the BBC is they have a very good policy of uh, training and employing uh, disabled journalists. So that's uh, yeah, that's one one of the positive aspects of um, uh, public service broadcasting that they can lead the way in making those changes. Yeah, but the but the other problem with the BBC is that uh, the revolving door between politics and the BBC and like ex-ministers and civil servants moving over to the BBC and like, you know, being on the boards and all that kind of thing. Mm. And the other thing I'd like to say about, yeah, they, they probably do a good job uh, employing disabled people, but it's a certain kind of disabled person that wouldn't won't upset the apple cart, you know? You know that that will will sing from the same hymn sheet and will not like you know do investigative journalism or you know hold the government to account very squeaky clean kind of journalist you know in my opinion so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they may employ them but you have to be a certain type of person to get a job at the BBC yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you have a point there, and yeah, the disability news service is definitely doing the the, the edgiest stories around um, around disability issues. Yeah, because for example, John Craig wouldn't be employed by the BBC. Right. Yeah, I suspect not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah suspect what, not. what were you What were you going to say? Sorry. Um. No, I don't think I was going to say anything. Yeah, I was just saying that John, yeah, I don't think John Pring would be employed by them. And um, yeah, I, I just, like you've got Times Radio and not LBC, like their, their kind of output and stuff like that. And it yeah. comes like, it all seems to be going in the one direction and there's only you and maybe there's another Manchester one called The Mill, I think it's called. All um, right, yeah, they're doing some excellent work, yeah. And yeah, I think they've only just started as well. And mm -hmm. there's obviously no media, but there's not very many, like, other, uh, you know, centre to centre left organisations 
doing and doing this kind of work. So does it feel kind of lonely? Does it feel like you're pissing the wind half the time? Uh, yeah, that's um, uh, pissing in the wind. It can do at times when you when you produce what you think is an important story. You put a lot of work into it, and then it doesn't it doesn't sort of fly on social media. It doesn't get the shares, the comments, and uh, no one seems really interested. Yeah, at times like that, it can feel like you are pissing in the wind, uh, and it can be disheartening. Uh, but yeah, when a good story does get uh, get a lot of readers, then, then that is heartening that people are actually taking interest in the stuff you do. But uh, do, do we feel alone? I wouldn't say we feel alone because yeah, there are a lot of other good independent news sites out there that are trying to do uh, similar stuff to us. Uh, we're a member of the Independent Media Association, that, which re re represents independent uh, news sites. I'm not sure if Disability News Service is, is on there, but uh, the Bristol Cable, another uh, local media cooperative in Bristol, is, is on there. And um, the Canary, I'm not sure if Navarra Media, I remember or not. But yeah, there's loads of other, other good organisations on there as well. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, alone in that respect. Okay. And do do you think you you work together as much as you you could do, or do you think you should work together more, or what? I know everybody else says we should work together, never never do, but but you know, do you think that there is something there that could be done? <clears throat> yes, I, I do think there is something there that could be done, and I think. If we, if we can sort of collaborate on stories to from the different organisations at a particular point in time to report on a specific issue, then we can have a bigger a bigger effect in that way. So I think that's a good thing to, to promote. But it is always difficult. To, you've got to commit the time to making them collaborations happen. And that's that's quite difficult for small media organisations who are sort of over, overworked and underpaid. Yeah. Um, but... <clears throat> Uh, the Independent Media Association is making progress there. There's, there's a lot of media groups that are on the, they have their own Slack channel that we communicate on. So we are we are trying to collaborate more on specific uh, topics. So I think there's, <clears throat> uh, there's work to be done there. And yeah, I'll just sort of mention the Bureau Local as well, which is uh, which is uh, the Department of the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. And they're doing a lot of good work, sort of, crowdsourcing investigations with different organizations around the country and then reporting on them at, at, a, at a specific time so we've done we've done um, stories in then looking at the sale of uh, council property and um, uh, underpaid care workers uh, in, in in care homes and at, um, uh, people care workers that visit uh, people at home as well so yeah i think they're doing some really good work in getting collaborations going from, from different media organisations across across the UK. What, what were they called again, sorry? Bureau Local, they're called. Okay. So they're part of the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. And do you, do you, have you heard of Open Democracy as well? Oh, yeah, they're very good. Yeah, I like their work. They've done a lot of, um, they've done a lot of investigation into the dark money flowing around... Um, politics and a particular political advertising and stuff like that oh they've done a lot of work into into the sort of um 
into the contracts that have been awarded during COVID as well to yeah. two mates of David Cameron and the rest of the Tory party without, without any... Not that I'm trying to poach you or anything, but if there was one media organisation that you could work for other than the media, what would, which one would it be? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to pick, which might be controversial today. I'm going to pick uh, private eye. Yeah, this is oh, my right. latest copy. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I'm a, a subscriber to private eye, and I think they do some of the, yeah, you know, the best investigative journalism uh, in the in the country. Just. So, just to the people listening, he, Conrad was just holding up a copy of The Private Eye. So they, yes. they do still come out with copies of The Private Eye. Yeah, well, well, it's, not, it's, not, it's not available online. That's, that's one of the unusual things about, about this, yeah. They don't have an online sort of uh, version of it. What is it that, uh, you know, attracts you to them? Um... The coverage of corruption within the system, I think, uh, I think is uh, one of the the biggest attractions there, and the their continued sort of dogged sort of investigations of particular issues, such as like such as the um, the blood uh, transfusion scandal, yeah. where a lot of people came down with HIV. They've doggedly pursued that. So again, there's still people waiting for. Uh, compensation through that that's been going on for for decades and another good story they uh, uh, pursued was the uh, royal mail um what's it called the computer system that was faulty so they falsely accused lots of um uh postmasters in charge of post offices of fiddling their accounts when they hadn't done it was a fault with the computer system that Royal Mail management knew there was a fault and that could be the reason why these uh, erroneous uh, transactions have been recorded. And yet they still prosecuted them, sent some of them down. Some, some people killed themselves due, due to being prosecuted. Yeah, shocking, uh, shocking story that. But uh, yeah, Private Eye have, have been reporting that on that all the way through until, until its current um, conclusion. Yeah. How how corrupt do you think the UK is today? Oh, God. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange thing, corruption there, because if you look at the, the corruption index on uh, that, who, who produces that now? There is a corruption index and you can look on it. And see, <laughs> really? And see, <laughs> yes, where countries uh, store on this corruption index. And, and and yeah, the UK doesn't score high on that, but, but it's more it's more about the corruption that happens in every everyday life, like uh, police officers taking bribes or council officials taking bribes and, and stuff like that. But so perhaps like the UK isn't corrupted in that sort of sort that sort of corruption, but the UK does allow corruption to occur across the globe due yeah. to its involvement in the global financial system and offshore centres like the British Virgin Islands and um, uh, the Island Man and Jersey and uh, some others in the Caribbean as well were, were corrupt officials and, and 
and criminals in other countries uh, can stash their money that they're embezzled from their local countries. Yeah, I think I think the UK uh, facilitates corruption across the globe due to its uh, its major part in the global financial system. Yeah, I I would I would tend to agree with you there, unfortunately. <laughs> Is there anything you would finally like to say before we close? Um, what would I like to say? Yeah, I'd like to encourage everyone to uh, yeah read the media's work. Yeah, get involved, comments, um, subscribe to our newsletter, sign up as a member. Yeah, help us direct um, the news in Manchester. Yeah. Yeah. Do Do you like Manchester? I love Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> why is it that you like? Why is it that you like about Manchester? It's 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 such a, a lively city. There's so much going on here culturally. It's uh, it's superb. There's there's no end of uh, cultural events. But I also like the history of Manchester, the the the, the past battles for what's right that have gone on in Manchester is uh, I find inspiring as well. It's something I'm keen that we cover in in the meetings work. And yeah, and continue covering those battles for what for what is right. Um, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and just before we go, I want to ask you: Are there any other organisations around the world, like yourself, that you know of that you have contact with? Um, media cooperatives. Oh, I can't say there's many sort of international organisations or not, but. Um, yeah, maybe we need to make some international links. <laughs> yeah, I just wondered if you knew of any of that as well. No, no, I can't say I am, but uh, yeah. All right. And uh, <laughs> is there anything else you would like to say before we close? No, I'm good, Shabazz. Yeah, I would like to say thank you to you from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> and um, please come again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone.